August is almost over. We have two Sundays left in August, including today. And August being Women's Month, we're wrapping up this Women's Month with a mini-series titled, She is Called. Now, this is a two-part series in which we're going to take a look at two women from the Bible and see what wisdom we can gain from their lives. Now, there are many women in the Bible that we can talk about in the series, but unfortunately, we only have time to talk about two. Maybe at a later stage, we'll have a, a similar series where we can kind of dig in a bit deeper and look at other women in the Bible. But the idea behind this series is not the title of it anyway, the, the title The idea behind it was not for it to be aimed only at women. So men, this is not your cue to switch off. The wives just nudge your husbands. And it's not for us to also speak to you ladies about God's calling on your life. What we are actually talking about is we're looking at women who were called by God for something more. Her life pointed to God's goodness, to his faithfulness, to his provision. She was called to live a life that would go down in history. So we're looking at these two women, at their story, and we're identifying the lessons that we can all learn from them and how we can apply them to our lives. So this goes for both men and women, both young and old. Now this morning, I'm starting the series by talking about an unlikely woman who helped change eternity. A woman who faced challenges, who took personal risk, whose love and loyalty persevered in the face of tragedy, and who was destined to play a role in the lineage of Jesus. Any guesses as to who I'm talking about this morning? Anyone want to take a guess? Hey? Everyone's too shy to guess. They don't want to. They don't want to be wrong. Hey, Mary Magdalene. No, no. Who? Ruth. I am talking about Ruth. So part one is Ruth, a noble woman. Now, if you were here last week, or if you heard last week's message, then hearing noble woman should stand out to you. Something should sink in. It should bring to mind a woman who lives out wisdom, whose life stands out. Her character sets her apart. And one of the reasons I chose to talk about Ruth this morning is because I think her story embodies the characteristics that we spoke about last week. And her counterpart, Boaz, also embodies the characteristics that were mentioned for the men. So as a whole, the book of Ruth tells a story which portrays a character as a noble woman, a noble man. The story told in this book holds many lessons. There's a lot that can be said about the story and its characters, and unfortunately, we're not going to go through all of that. We can't dig in deep into this, because if I was going to talk about everything I want to talk about from this book, you're going to be here much longer than you want, and then you're going to complain with me. So I'm going to keep it short to the point, but I want to encourage you that if you haven't done so, and even if you have, go do it again, to take time this week to read this book. It's four chapters. They're not very long chapters, and it's a very easy read. The book of Ruth is rich with so many lessons, with so much imagery, with so much beauty. So please take time to read it. 
And if you want a complimentary resource to help you dig deeper as you go through the story, then I recommend the Ruth Explained uh, reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app. I think by now everyone has the YouVersion Bible app on their phone. If not, it's easy to, to gain access to. And the, the reading plan, Ruth Explained, has an audio guide to kind of dig deep into each chapter, and it's quite encouraging, quite eye-opening. So there's your homework for the week. Now, this uh, reading plan is called Ruth Explained, Romance and Redemption. So when you come across it, that's what you'll see. And it's interesting that romance is in there. Because I think that's what we kind of tend to think about when we read the book of Ruth or when we hear about Ruth, because that's often the story that's been told. It's the, the love story between Ruth and Boaz. And that's one of the many takes, one of the, the, I'd say maybe the main take that a lot of people talk about when talking about Ruth. But this story is so much more than a woman finding a husband. There are three important themes that we see in this book. Loyalty, redemption, and provision. Now, as I said, we're not going to cover everything this morning, but keep those three themes in mind as you read the book of Ruth. But this morning, we're talking specifically about Ruth, about her. So let's get into her story. The book begins by introducing us to a family, Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilian. And they, living, they are living in Bethlehem. So they are Israelites. They're living in Bethlehem, known as the land of bread. But as the story begins, it tells us there's a famine. No bread, no food. Things are bad. So in the hopes to find a better life, to make things better for themselves as a family, they move. They move to Moab. Now, it's important to take note that the Moabites and the Israelites, they're not friendly. They don't like each other. So anyway, they move to Moab, they get settled down, and then Elimelech dies. So Naomi is now a widow, living with her two sons. And the two sons, well, they're going to start a life, so they get married. And they get married to two Moabite women. Well, they each get married to one Moabite woman, Orpah and Ruth. And after about 10 years of living there, you know, nice married life, Malon and Kilian die. So now Naomi is left widowed, childless, and she's just got the only family she has in this foreign land are her two daughters-in-law. So the first few verses of this book, this introduction to the story, is not very upbeat. It's not a happy once upon a time beginning. The story begins with tragedy, with loss, and with pain. Now as we continue reading, we see that Naomi decides to move back to Bethlehem. She heard that God has now provided, there is food, there is provision in Bethlehem, things are looking better. And she's in a foreign land, no more family, it makes no sense for her to stay there. So she decides she's going to go back to Bethlehem. So her and her two daughters-in-law start making their way. And that's when Naomi realizes, but hang on, there's no point in the two of you coming with me. There is nothing that I can offer you if you come with me. So she has this conversation with Orpah and with Ruth where essentially she is saying, I have nothing left to offer you. I have no more sons that you can get remarried to. I have nothing. I'm going back home. That is not your homeland. 
There is no need for you to come with me. You will have a better life if you go back home to your mother and to your father. You can find another husband. You can get remarried. You can have a better life in your homeland. Don't come with me. There's no point. And Orpah agreed, and she went back home. But listen to how Ruth responds when Naomi urges her to do the same. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Can you imagine making such a statement to someone? To someone you're not related to blood-wise, blood like it's not family, it's someone you, you're related to them by, via marriage. Ladies, who would say this to their mother-in-law? How many women would be able to say to their mother-in-law, wherever you go, I will go, especially when there's nothing tying you to them anymore. There's no obligation but Ruth says to Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will become my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. I will be buried there. And God, help me if anything but death separates me from you. That is intense. That is uh, loyalty. That is devotion. She is willing to leave her home, everything she knows, everything that is familiar to her. She's willing to leave her people, her family, to follow her mother-in-law to a foreign land where she risks being treated like an outsider, risks being rejected because she is a Moabite. And she's willing to go not knowing what her life will be like. Naomi cannot guarantee a good life for her. But she goes because she is devoted to Naomi. See, it made no logical sense for her to follow Naomi. She had no obligation to stay. She had no guarantee that things would work out if she went with, yet she went anyway. She chose to be loyal. She chose to do what she felt was right. And here's the first lesson we learn from Ruth. We're gonna learn three lessons from her. The first one, do what you know is right not what looks right to others. Do what you know is right, not what looks right to others. Ruth knew what the logical thing to do was. Return home. She wasn't stupid. She had sense, she had common sense. She knew that it would be easier. It was logical to go home. But her conviction was to stay with Naomi. And Ruth chose to follow her convi conviction, what she knew was, was right, what was right to do, instead of what doing what seemed right. There wasn't anything in it for her. In fact, her life was probably going to get a whole lot more difficult. So it wasn't a selfish decision in choosing to follow Naomi, but it was a choice that was done with pure motives a decision made from conviction and loyalty. 
How many times do we boldly do what we know is right, even when it may not look right to others? Are we confident enough to follow through on our convictions, even if it means that we're going to face challenges and uncertainties? Ruth made a bold statement, but she didn't just say those words. She followed through with her actions. So even though this didn't make sense to others, she went through with it. So be bold enough to do what you know is right, even if it looks crazy to the people around you. Do what you know is right, not what looks right to others. So Ruth goes with Naomi and they arrive in Bethlehem. Now being widows, they don't have anyone to provide for them. So they have to make a plan to get food, right? They need to make a plan to get some provisions The good news is that they arrive just at the beginning of the barley harvest. So Ruth asks Naomi to let her go out into the fields and glean. That means to collect some leftover grains after the harvesters. Now this might seem a bit strange to us, but understand that in those days it was law that during the harvest they were to leave behind some grain so that those in need could harvest and have food. So the person who owned the the field didn't harvest everything for themselves. They left a bit behind for those in need. So that's what Ruth was asking to go do. So she goes to a field, she begins to glean, and she ends up in a field that belongs to Boaz. Now, he wasn't just some random guy. He has significance because he is family of Elimelech. And that's important to take note. Now, when Boaz arrived in his field, he noticed her. And he asked one of his servants who she was. He knew that she wasn't one of his maidservants. So he asks, and this was the response in chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. So that's what the the servant told Boaz. And then Boaz does something interesting. He goes up to Ruth and he says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go and glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men to not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. He tells her to continue gathering in his field. Don't go anywhere else. Stay here in my field. He instructs his men to leave her alone. And she has access to water when she's thirsty. Boaz doesn't know her. He had never met her before. She's an outsider. Yet here he is giving her protection and making sure that she is provided for. Why? It makes no sense. And Ruth asks the same question. Verse 10 to 12. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her and said, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. 
the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. She found favor with Boaz because of what he heard about her. People had taken notice of Ruth. They noted what she did, who she was. And when they spoke about her, they spoke positively. And that the second lesson we can learn from her from this situation is that walking in integrity can increase your influence with others. Ruth's actions made her stand out from the rest. Remember, she didn't follow Naomi out of a selfish desire. She didn't choose to stick with Naomi because it would be easy and comfortable and fun. No, she followed her because she knew it was the right thing to do. She followed selflessly. And then when she got there, there was a need. And she chose to go work to provide for her and Naomi, even though it would be dangerous for her as a foreigner in the land of her enemies. Ruth was a woman of integrity and people noticed. Walking in integrity means that she chose to do what was right, what was honorable, and she did what she said she would do. Her actions showed her character, which resulted in her having influence among the people around her. The people of the town were impressed with her. Boaz was impressed with her. She found favor and she had an impact. See, as you continue to read her story, you see how her character continues to shine through. You see how she continues to do the right thing. She walks in integrity and people notice. Later in chapter 3, verse 11, we see that Boaz says to her, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. You are a woman of noble character. Ruth went from being the Moabite woman to being called a woman of noble character. She went from being an outsider to finding favor among the people. And she was even blessed by the town elders. You see that in chapter four. See, walking in integrity can increase your influence with the people around you. It makes you stand out. People take notice. Say, so hang on, something's different about you. And there's favor in that. So Boaz said to her that he had heard about her. That's why he was showing her favor. And what he had heard was good. After this encounter, we see that Ruth joins Boaz and his harvesters for a meal. He ensured that she, was, that she had enough to eat, and she even took some leftovers home for Naomi. Now, at this point, after the meal, it was probably afternoon. We know that she had a productive morning, the servant had said that she had been working in the fields all morning. So she had been productive. We know that she is now at ease knowing that she is going to be provided for, that she is able to glean in Boaz's field. We also know that now she is full and satisfied after a good meal. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like a good place to call it a day. You're like, okay, I'm gonna go home now, I'm gonna rest, I'll continue working tomorrow, things are good. But that's not what, what Ruth did. She goes back into the field to continue gleaning. And she doesn't just glean for a couple more hours. She gleans until evening. And then she still threshed what she had gleaned. In chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, it says, When she rose to glean, 
Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposefully for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. See, Ruth went back to work. She didn't act any differently because now she had found favor with Boaz. She didn't act any differently because now she had provision. I also want to point out what Boaz said. Because not only did he make it safe for her to glean and tell her to stay in his field, he then instructs his workers to purposefully drop extra grain, to leave extra sheaves of wheat for her to gather, ensuring that she will have plenty. See, her character, who she was, influenced him in such a big way and he treated her in an honorable way. But back to the fact that she went back to work. Like I said, she didn't just work for a couple more hours. She worked until the evening. She harvested all day, and then she threshed out what she had harvested. And at the end of the day, she had collected about that ephah works out to about 22 liters of barley, 22 liters of grain. She worked hard. She found favor, but she still chose to put in the effort. And that's our third lesson. Remember to be humble and keep working as God blesses you. It would have been very easy for Ruth to just decide to slack off a little bit, knowing that she has provision. She could have allowed the special treatment that Boaz was giving her to go to her head and lower the level of effort that she put in. Yet none of this changed her behavior. It didn't change how hard she worked. It didn't change the effort that she put in. This should challenge us to assess how we behave once God starts to bless us. Are we changing based on how much we have and how much God has blessed us? Or are we staying humble even in the abundance? See, often there's a correlation between the level of effort we give and the level of need we have. When I have a lot of need, I'm going to pray a lot. Isn't that the tendency we see? I have a lot of need, so I'm going to pray a lot. I'm going to spend time in God's word. I'm going to draw near to him. I'm really going to depend on him. And then the blessing starts coming in. And maybe I pray a little less. Don't dedicate so much time to reading the Bible. I don't honor that relationship as much. I kind of back off a little bit. Isn't that the tendency? When we are in need, we draw near to God. As soon as he starts providing, we kind of back off a little bit. Or when we get those breakthroughs that we're trusting for and the provision comes in and suddenly we have plenty, all of a sudden our character starts to change. We go from being humble to being arrogant. See, the provision and the blessing didn't change who Ruth was or how she behaved. She was a woman of noble character when she was in need, and she was a woman of noble character when she had plenty. So remain humble. Keep putting in the effort, even when the blessing starts pouring in. Now, the provision of food was not the only provision Ruth experienced in the story. As she did what was right, as she lived out 
with, as she lived out integrity, as she remained humble and hardworking, she found favor. She experienced redemption. She was blessed. She found a home and a family. She was honored, and her name would never be forgotten. See, Ruth gave up everything, expecting nothing. And then God honored her in ways that she could never have imagined. Ruth eventually got married to Boaz, who redeemed her. He was her kinsman redeemer. And for those of you who don't know what that means, in in the Jewish culture, when a husband dies, his family, whether it's a brother or a relative, will step in and marry the widow so that the name can continue. He redeems. And that's why it was important that Boaz is a relative. He redeemed Ruth. He redeemed Naomi's family. And the two of them had a son named Obed, who then fathered Jesse, who then fathered David. And from the house of David came Jesus. See, the story started with tragedy and loss, but it ends with joy and new life. One decision that Ruth Ruth made, one decision to follow Naomi led to a series of events which eventually resulted in Ruth being used by God in in the history of our redemption. She didn't live in a palace. She didn't fight in any wars. She didn't have any governing influence or leadership position. She just simply lived her ordinary life with integrity. And look at how God used the ordinary for the extraordinary. Let that also just be a hint as to what God can do in your life. What are the ordinary areas in your life that God can work in big ways? So every time we think of Ruth, every time we read her story, let us be inspired by this woman of noble character. And let's be challenged to do what is right not what looks right to others. Let's be challenged to walk in integrity and see how our influence increases with others. And let's be humble and keep working as God blesses us. Amen. God can use our ordinary for the extraordinary, but may the life that we give him to work with, our lives, be of noble character. That's where it comes down to, noble character. So I trust that this story won't just be a love story when you read it, but you'll see the depth of it. You'll see the lessons. You'll see the reminders to be men and women of noble character. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's close in prayer. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks life and truth into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that this, this book has so many lessons for us. And I pray, Father, that our eyes will be open to see the lessons that you want us to apply in our lives, the instructions that you are giving to us. Father, may we look at the life of this ordinary woman who made a simple choice, but a righteous choice, and how you worked through that. So Father, I pray that you'll give us wisdom in the choices we are making so that we can make the right choices, so that we can do the right things and allow you to use our choices, our lives 
for incredible things in the lives of others. Father, I pray that we'll be challenged to live lives of noble character, that we won't be influenced by the world to compromise, to live like the world does, but we will live the way you want us to live, even though it might be difficult. Help us to walk with integrity, Lord. To do what we say we will do. To have our actions align with our words. And I pray, Father, that we also won't become arrogant when we are being blessed, when we have provision, when we have plenty. But that as you bless us, as you answer our prayers, as you begin to work in our lives, we will remain humble. We will continue to submit to you. We'll continue to draw close to you so that we can be people of noble character in our need and in our provision. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the ways that you're going to use us in small ways, in big ways, it doesn't matter. May we just be aware of how you're working through us and how our story can impact those around us. We thank you for these stories that we can look back on, Lord, that they're not just history and irrelevant, but that they still hold truth for us today. So as we spend time reading the book of Ruth, Lord, may you continue to just bring truth forward, continue to show us the way that you have been working all the way from the beginning of time until now how you put pieces in place for our redemption, how Jesus was our kinsman redeemer. So may we be filled with courage and with confidence in who we are as your children. May we live boldly. May we do what is right. We thank you, Lord, for this time spent together. I pray, Father, that you'll take us home safely. Give us a wonderful week. May you open our eyes to the opportunities during the week where we can share your love and your word with the people around us. And may we be aware of how you're working in our lives during the week. We thank you, Lord, and give you all honor and praise. Amen. Amen. May you be blessed in this week ahead. Remember, if you want to grab your mug to the back there so you have a little souvenir reminding you to keep things in context. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.